Well, good morning. I just enjoy our worship team. And uh, let's just give them a hand this morning as they led us in worship. I, I like that, that last song as we meet, and I especially like the, the way the band ends. You got a guy that's cooking them. Boom, boom, boom. I said, yeah. <laughs> so it's really great to be here. It's great to see Bert back. Where's Bert? Wave your hand, Bert. I saw Bert the day after his surgery, and we went into the hospital, and Bert and I were just talking about that day, giving him so many drugs and everything. He didn't really even know who he was. <laughs> he was trying to go somewhere else, and, and, uh, but I knew. And so he uh, they went to rehab, and now he's back home. And Bert, we were praying for you, and it's good to see you back there sitting in your seat. Amen. Amen. And Mika, last week, uh, where is she? Oh, oh, right there. And so it's good to have those who have faced some physical challenges, and we all have challenges, and uh, so it's good to be here. We're going to get into the Word, but I was thinking this week that it used to be, and, um, and I met a couple of people here for the first time, and uh, it's May over here, and May welcome, and then Alice, where's Alice? was here, but, but I guess she's coming back. She had been here several years earlier, and so she's with us this morning. But you know, back in the day, it used to be that when you wanted to find out who or what was in, well, what did you do? You consulted the newspaper or the society section or back Look Magazine. How many remember that? <laughs> and, uh, but you would check these resources to find out kind of what was going on, what was in, what was out. Now we have the internet to help us determine what's in, what's out, what's cool, what's not cool, what's healthy, what's not healthy. And uh, this was proven in a recent email that I received from someone who forwarded it to me. And uh, I edited it, you know, for time and content. But <laughs> here goes. I want to thank all of you who have taken the time and trouble to send me your chain letters over the past two years. Thank you for making me feel safe, secure, blessed, and wealthy. Because of your concern, I no longer can drink Coca-Cola because it can remove toilet stains. I no longer drink Pepsi or Dr. Pepper since the people who make these products are atheists who refuse to put under God on their cans. I no longer use saran wrap in the microwave because it causes cancer. I no longer use cancer-causing deodorants, even though I smell like a water buffalo on a hot day. <laughs> Thanks to you, I've learned that God only answers my prayers if I forward an email to seven of my friends and make a wish within five minutes. I will now return the favor. If you don't send this email to at least 1,200 people in the next 60 seconds, the fleas of a thousand camels will infest your armpits. I know this will occur because it actually happened to a friend of a friend's dad's uncle's neighbor's cousin, and he's a lawyer. <laughs> Everybody say, Lord have, mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let's stand together as we quote our verse for the year. It's our signature verse for the next last several weeks, Luke 2.52, and let's say it together. 
And Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and men. The word of God for the people of God. Give a person two or three seats away, a high five, and say, get ready for the word this morning. <clears throat> you may be seated. So, uh, Alice, I just recognized you this morning, and... Uh, Thanks for joining us in our worship service. Well, and Jesus grew in stature. You know, the whole idea was we want to grow. Nobody wants to stay the same way. Jesus said these words, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so what we're trying to do is examine the way of Jesus, uh, how he behaved. For instance, we know that Jesus practiced forgiveness. He said, Father, forgive them when he was on the cross. Uh, Jesus practiced uh, embracing other, those other people, people that normally the regular folks wouldn't hang out with. Jesus hung out with them. In fact, he practiced loving his neighbor, his enemies as his neighbor. And so Jesus uh, just, he spoke the truth. He was willing to reach out beyond the norm in order to make a difference. And so all of us want to grow. We just don't want to stay where we are. And so Jesus grew. He's our model. And we've been looking at favor for the last couple of weeks. And so he grew in wisdom, stature, and favor. Let me just give you a little recap. Normally, we use favor in a colloquial sense. Hey, would you do me a favor? But the idea is that um, I don't really deserve this, but, you know, like, hook me up and let me get over on this one. Would you really do me a favor? Last week, I did an exhaustive study on the meaning of favorite. I won't do that today, but just to review a couple of things, that the word actually means grace, goodwill, the divine influence on the heart and its reflection in the light, in the life. And it comes from the Greek word charis, which means undeserved. That's where we get our word, not undeserved, but uh, we get our word grace from charis which is undeserved favor. So at least three things apply to finding favor. I mentioned these three things, and I want them to really stick in your brain because there are three fundamental things. Number one, if we're going to experience God's favor, there must be total surrender to God. Total surrender to God. Let's say that together. Total surrender to God. We have a song we used to sing all the time. We sing it here sometimes, but... I'll say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I'll say yes, boom, yeah, Lord, yes, boom. I will trust you and obey when your spirit speaks to me. With my whole heart, I'll agree, and my answer will be what? Yes. Lord, yes. Everybody say, yes, Lord, yes. yes Lord. If we're going to experience the favor of God, we have to learn how to be totally surrendered to God. That's number one. Number two principle is absolute purity. Not perfection. God is not asking us to be perfect. Jesus was perfect, and he died on the cross. He's not asking us to do that. 
but to have perfect, be perfect or pure rather in our motives, pure in our thought lives, pure in our personal morality so that we don't have a big distance between our public persona and our private persona. And to do that, we have to be in constant communion with him and we have to have accountability from one another. Jeremiah said the heart is deceitfully wicked who can know it. And so that heart needs constant calling to attention and to account. And so we need to be pure before God. That's number two. But number three, we need to have kingdom thinking, having this mind, the mind that was in Christ Jesus. So getting back to favor, the technical definition is to have the peculiar signature of God's favor or honor or cherishing value placed on you so that when he sees you, there is a special value he has for you. When God likes you, uh, there is such an influence that comes upon you that the charisma of God himself rubs off on you, which makes other people like you or cooperate with you, whether they like you or not. Favor is a special affection of God toward you that releases an influence on you so that others want to cooperate and be with you. Okay, with all that said, let's move on to examine some principles of favor and begin with the story of Joseph. Now, this is a famous story. We know that Joseph had a dream that came from God, but somewhere between his dream and his destiny that resulted from the dream, he had some growing to do, just like you and I. All of us have shoes. You got shoes. I got shoes. All of God's children got issues. And Joseph had some issues. He made some immature mistakes. But here's the good news. God can even use our mistakes and our failures, and he will give us favor to accomplish the dream and the mission. So in Joseph's story, we clearly see those three principles necessary to have the favor of God. We see total commitment to God. Joseph, with his issues and issues, we knew he loved God. He was committed to purity. And he had kingdom thinking. That is, he could see beyond himself to a broader story that included deliverance for his family and his community. It wasn't just about him, his pain, his disappointment, his hurt, the things he wanted. But he knew that in connecting with God, there was a bigger story. And Joseph learned, he learned, he grew into understanding that it's all about what God wants. And his plan for me, Jeremiah said, I know the plans I have for you, plans to give you good, good welfare, to bless you. God's plans are greater than ours. And when we start thinking that way, instead about me, my four, us four and no more. When we think about God's way, kingdom thinking, we set ourselves up to experience the favor of God. So Joseph had a dream. In Genesis 37, we read this. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. <laughs> We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheep rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brother said, really? <laughs> Do you 
Do you intend to reign over him, over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Joseph had a dream, but he also had some issues. He talked about himself too much. You know what, friends? Some things you need to keep to yourself. <laughs> God may give you the dream, he give you the word, but the word is meant for you to nurture to grow into it, and sometimes you just need to be quiet until the right time. As a result of his going off at the mouth, he ended up in a pit his brothers threw him into, and he was sold into slavery and ended up in Egypt. So we go to Genesis 39. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care with Joseph in charge. We see that Joseph actually suffered in the midst of doing what was right. Well, he goes to prison and he finds favor with the chief jailer. He was promoted to second in charge in Egypt. He found favor with the king. After the process of brokenness, which we all go through to walk in favor, Joseph does the right thing. And what does he do? He extends favor to his brother's but he was only able to do this after experiencing all of this brokenness, pain, disappointment, hurt, rejection, being maligned, misunderstood, persecuted, thrown in jail. All of this set him up to continually experience the favor of God. And at the end, he was able to extend favor to his brothers who actually had him put in the hole where all this started, the favor of God. So you know what I want to tell you this morning? Thank God for your brokenness. <laughs> because your pain and your suffering sets you up. They prepare you to be able to handle the favor of the Lord in the future. You know, a perfect example of that is Job. I love the story of Job. If you have some time, even to start it, just read the first chapter of Job. And the Bible says that Job was a man, he was honest, he was upright, um, he worshipped God, he had impeccable credentials as a man and in describing Job. And then the scene, the scene shifts to heaven and the scriptures say that the angels came to present themselves to the Lord. I, I like this. God has an audience with the angels, with the good guys. And guess who shows up along with the angels? Satan shows up with the angels. And so Satan shows up, and Satan's always looking for some way to discourage, to, to, to get into mess with us, with you, with my family. And so Satan comes in, and, uh, and uh, God says to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? And so Satan very smartly answers God back. Have I considered that? Listen, I heard all those good things you said about Job. He worships you. He's upright. He's honest. He's faithful. And not only that, but his family worships you and all that. 
Yeah, he's doing all that kind of stuff because you have a hedge of protection around him. He's wealthy. He's got a great family. He's got a great life. But just remove that hedge and see what he'll do. He'll curse you. He'll turn from you. And God says, no, no, I want you to consider him. Now, capture this point. Because many of us know the story of of Job. That his latter was greater than his former. He ends up losing everything except his life. He loses his family, his wealth, his house, even his wife, everything. He's, he's physically uh, debilitated with worms, suffering. His friends turn on him, all of that. But his latter days, God replenishes all that and more. So we know, in other words, if you keep on going through, God is going to bring his favor to your life. That's, that's the long part of the story. Now, the, the short part of the story, the end of the story, but the middle part, the part where he suffers, we don't like that too much. And sometimes we get to thinking, you know what? If it wasn't for bad luck, I wouldn't have no luck at all. You know, God, why me? I, I've been trying to be a good Christian man or a good Christian woman and seem like, you know, Kathy and I were talking about this morning. I heard a preacher, well, he's not a friend, but a preacher that I like to listen to, he's got a message and goes like this. Uh, black preacher said, if not, if there's not one thing, there's another. If it's not too hot, it's too cold. If he's not too tall, he's too short. If we don't have too much, we don't have enough. If it's not one thing, it's another. And he goes on with this litany of stuff that happens. And sometimes we just feel like stuff just comes out. I mean, before you finish with one thing, bam, here comes something else again. And then we say, you know, Satan is busy. Sometimes it's not always Satan. God said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? When you're thinking about the trials, the difficulties, the hurt, just say to yourself, I'm under consideration. I'm under consideration. God's given me a test. And he wants to see how I'm going to respond. Because at the end of the test, everybody say the end of the test, there's the favor of God. And I don't know about you, friend, but the favor of God, where God smiles on me and like the young boy in the life commercial, does Mikey like, Mikey likes it, that when God looks at us and he likes us, his favor opens up doors, opportunities, brings us to new levels of success and enjoyment and fruitfulness in our life because of the favor of God. We don't earn it, we don't deserve it, but it's because of his grace. Can I get an amen this morning? The grace of God. So I'm going to talk to you quickly about three specific behaviors. You know, I know whenever a preacher says, I want to talk to you quickly, he's not telling the truth. (laughs) I know that. But I'm going to try to move as quickly as I can. Number one, everybody say number one. Prayer brings favor. Turn to Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, 1st chapter, 8 to 11. This is a famous passage. Praise Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who comforts us in all our trouble with the comfort we have received. It's a beautiful passage on comfort, but I want you to jump down to verse 8 of that first chapter in 2 Corinthians, and I'll pick it up because it's powerful. It says, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experience in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, 
so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. Now watch verse 11. As you help us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. We have something here at this church called the prayer force. We have generally met on the first Sunday night in or the first Sunday night of the month. We're switching it to Wednesdays when we do deeper. And by the way, I want to add my appreciation and enjoyment to the deeper experience. We gather at six for a meal. We bring it's a wonderful meal. People bring in the, some of the main and the sides, and we have fellowship together. Then at seven, we break into smaller groups, age appropriate for a lesson. But with the older, with the adults, Dave. Holland has done a phenomenal job, and we are growing and working, but on the first Wednesday of the month, we will have the prayer force. Everybody say prayer force. It's an opportunity for the church to pray together. Notice this last uh, part of this verse 11. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in prayer, in answer, rather, to the prayers of many. Listen, if one can pull a 1,000 to flight, if two can put 10,000 to flight, then imagine what can happen when we gather as a family and begin to pray corporately, things begin to happen. Notice what happens in this passage, what Paul is saying. He was saying that death was certain. The attack was beyond what any human could endure. It was so violent and overwhelming that he had no hope of escaping death. But because of the prayers, hallelujah, because there were some people praying for him, even in the midst of that trial, God came through with his favor. What did the favor look like? It looked like deliverance from what looked like certain death because of prayer. Prayer is powerful. Everybody say that with me. Prayer is powerful. Listen to what the psalmist says in Psalm 119, 58, as we pursue this idea of prayer. I entreated your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your word. This word entreating is an interesting word. <laughs> it means to be rubbed or worn even to the point of being wounded. To rub, to continually push in. I had a wonderful dog by the name of Pepper. He was a lab shepherd. And um, in my living room, I had my kind of my easy chair where I would read and just kind of relax. And uh, it was my chair. And so what Pepper would do, he's about 75 pounds, just great dog. We were just great friends. He would come and sit right next to me. And then what he would do is rub his nose on my leg. Continually. <laughs> I, I'm in there reading, and he just, and I said, oh, I know what he wants. He wants my favor. And he would continue to rub my foot until I reached down and petted him. And then he would go, <laughs> 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 that was Henry's favor. He would just continually do it. 
The word entreat means to, in prayer, to come into God's presence and keep coming. Keep saying, God, I don't know if you forgot me, but I'm here. God, I love you. God, I need your favor. And just keep coming. And just keep coming. And just like Pepper's master, God will stop and reach down. And he'll give you his favor. But it comes through prayer. Hmm? Talking to God about not only what you need, because I have to confess that much of my prayer life as I was developing was all about what I wanted and what I needed. But to start with God, you're wonderful. Just take the time. Just stop and say, God, ooh, you woke me up this morning. Thank you, Lord. Ah, David said, I was young and now I'm old. Never seen the righteous forsaken. I say that to God a lot. You know, Lord, I was young once. Can't do as much as I used to do. But Lord, I thank you that you woke me up this morning. Can't play basketball, but I can walk. <laughs> and I can get on the incumbent bike at the gym. And I can have a good time and walk outside and experience your beautiful creation. And I can help out and do certain. Lord, you're good. You're wonderful. The prayer that he taught his disciples begins with, hallowed be thy name. Lord, your will be done. You know, when we begin to pray for others that the will of God will be done in their lives. Hallelujah. Take our focus off of self and begin to say, God, how do you want to reveal yourself in my son's life, my daughter's life, or my neighbor's? Or yesterday, um, I, uh, Kathy and I... Uh, did something with the covenant. And by the way, I suggest that those of you who ha don't have a will, if you go through covenant trust, is, what is it, Kathy? The covenant trust, they will, they will help put the will together for free. And they take you through it. And then, of course, the idea with that is when you're making your will, that you would maybe perhaps leave the covenant church or River 47. And so Kathy and I have done that. But we needed to have our neighbors to... Uh, to, to witness it and what else they do? And to have it notarized. So anyway, so uh, some of you have met, uh, we have wonderful neighbors, Jerry and Judy. And so they came by, they're good Jewish, they, you know, and, and Jerry's always teasing me. He says, uh, Henry, I got a joke for you to tell your church this Sunday. And then he'll tell me his joke. And I'll say, Jerry, I don't think so. <laughs> but they're very friendly people and just warm and lovely. And so we were sitting there and I turned to, uh, to Judy and said, I haven't seen you in a while, Judy. And she had a painful look on her face. And she said, Henry, it's shingles. She said, the pain. She said, I had to cancel a trip she was getting ready to do. And right there, as we were getting ready to sign, the Lord said, you know what? Pray for her. Pray for her right now. And so I just reached over and I said, Judy, can I, you know, can I just touch your hand? So she said, oh, yes. I said, can I? Oh, yeah, pray for me, please. She said, I'm in so much pain. And I just reached out and I touched her. I said, Lord, would you touch her? Help her to experience your divine presence. It wasn't a long prayer, not a whole bunch of religious words. It was just a chance. I'm in God's presence. You know, the Bible says we're two or three are present together. He's there. So Kathy and I were there and Jim Ingwall from the covenant. He was there, the three of us. So I said, well, God, you're here. You're watching us as we sign these papers. 
So while you're here, you could just as easily touch her. And so I had a prayer for her, and she just looked at me, and she said, thank you, Henry. Thank you so much. You know, when we come to God in prayer, we should be praying for others. I mean, we can get around to ourselves after a while. Then the prayer goes, and Lord, give us this day our daily bread. You know, the things we need. But we don't start with self. Prayer starts with what God wants. Prayer starts with the needs of our neighbors and our community and our world and our leaders. When's the last time you prayed for President Obama? Hmm? So yeah, President Obama. I got <laughs> he needs prayer. Amen. Just like you need prayer. Amen. Amen. Psalm 58. I entreated you for your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your word. So the second way to get favor according to the book of Proverbs is really a three-step process. It's listening, watching, and waiting which brings favor. Listening, watching, and waiting. Let's say that together. Listening, watching, and waiting. Proverbs 8, 32 through 36. Now then, my children, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not disregard it. And then verse 34, the key verse. Blessed are those who listen to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. For those who find me find life and receive favor from the Lord. Notice the three things. In verse 34, listening, number one, to listen is to perceive with interest and to obey. How many of us have parents in this room right now? Have you ever said to your children, are you listening to me? <laughs> they hear the words, but the idea, no, no. Are you listening so that you can obey? We find favor with God when we listen and what? Obey. The Bible is filled with instructions to listen. But listening with obedience is what brings favor. And then number two, watching. To watch is to stay awake or to be alert. Notice that it is daily. Watching. Looking out. Do you know that God is working in your life? He is doing tremendous things, but sometimes we're so busy with self and our own issues, we, have, we forget. Or not that we forget, we don't see what God is doing right in our midst. God's doing some great things right here in our church. And sometimes we focus on the pain instead of looking at the promises of God to bring healing and restoration. Can I get an amen this morning? Sometimes it's just good to just stop and look and watch at what God's doing. In fact, everybody just take your hands right now. Let's lift them up. Let's give the Lord a wave offering. Lord, these hands, we're, we're just stopping. I know Pastor Henry's preaching right now, but he said, lift my hands, and so I'm lifting. And, and look around in the room. Look at the room. Look at the person next to you. If you're close to somebody, touch that person in love. Say, this is a love touch. This is a love touch. So there was nobody close to me. Okay, Terry went over there. Get her natural. We always want to connect with somebody. You know, one day, Dave said to me, Dave Holland, he said, do we need, where are the chairs? And he went and he opened that back thing there. He said, we need to get some more chairs. I said, what do we need to get some more chairs for? He said, for all the people who are going to come to fill this place up. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Actually, he's doing that right now. God 
is touching people in their lives of growth and transformation. Amen. And we need to be aware of it. We need to celebrate it. Thank you, Jesus. But not only listening, not only watching, but waiting. Wait is to stand guard, to observe, or to give heed. God is saying to the body, listen to me with the intent to obey. Stay alert on a daily basis and wait for me by standing guard and giving heed to me. Standing in the place where we're saying, God, I am ready to serve you. And I am ready to love whoever you send in my Hallelujah. Do you know that there is someone put together absolutely in the way that God designed for you to love them in a way that no one else can? Your personality, your experience, even your pain, your past, God designed that to give you the opportunity and you have to be willing to stand like a soldier standing at attention. Lord, I'm ready. I'm ready to receive orders from you. And Lord, I'll go. I'll do. I'll trust you. The old hymn, trust and what? Obey. Obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. And then the third thing is teaching and understanding produces favor. This is my last major point. Turn to Proverbs 13, 14, and 15. The teaching of the wise is a fountain of life, turning a person from the snares of death. Good judgment wins favor, but the way of the unfaithful leads to their destruction. Here's the point, friends. Teaching is not enough to bring the favor of God. There must be teaching and understanding. Mm. Just because we are being taught this principle of favor does not mean that we are walking in favor. Teaching does not necessarily produce anything. We can easily become, as James said, hearers of the word, but not doers. This is very important. Teaching and knowledge must be mixed with understanding. Go down to Isaiah 5, 13. My people go into exile for their lack of knowledge and their honorable men are famished and their multitude is parts with thirst. There's three things happen, three things that happen when we have teaching and then knowledge is imparted. The first thing that happens is illumination, illumination. The light comes on. That's why it's important for you to be in worship every week, to be at Bible study. It's important for you to be in the word of God every day, reading having a discipline of reading the word over and over again. Because you, you know how you read something and you hear something, and all of a sudden you go, aha, oh, I see. After a period of time, that's illumination. The light comes on. I see what this means. David said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin. Some of the things that we're doing, we're not even aware how obnoxious it is to God. But after a while, if we get into the word and the word gets into us, we begin to see, oh, oh, I see God. Illumination. And then after illumination, revelation, the veil is removed. Hmm. And we can see clearly. And then transformation, change begins to happen. And finally, manifestation. There's a demonstration and favor that begins to materialize. What I'm talking to you about this morning as I close about the favor of God, it's not magic. 
It's not one day you wake up and all of a sudden you say, oh, I experienced God's favor. Bam, I'm good. No, it's a process. And as you get illumination and you say, oh, this is what it means. And then as the veil is removed, you have revelation. Transformation begins and you begin to change. Many of us are not experiencing favor because we have not understood favor. We are lacking blessing because we are lacking in knowledge. But wherever you are on this scale, from knowledge to manifestation, keep on pressing. Keep on praying. Keep on believing. Keep on saying, not my will, Lord, but your will be done. Favor is not given all at once. It's progressive. We see this even with the Son of God. And Jesus grew. <laughs> in wisdom, in stature, with favor, and favor with God and man. It's a process. So you keep on growing, keep on going. This past Wednesday morning, I went to the gym. My routine is in the mornings, I go to the gym at 6 o'clock. I'm there for about 90 minutes. Then after that, I go to the pool, and I go swimming. So I went to the gym, did my 90 minutes. And as I was getting ready to go to the pool, some said to me, just check in the back seat where I have my swimsuit and my towel. Make sure you have those things. So I went and checked in the back seat. No bag, no swimsuit, no towel. Guess what I said to myself? Good, I didn't want to go anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but swimming is a part of the routine that I need to be committed to in order to achieve good health and to take care of this temple. And as I reflected on that attitude, because it happened to me before, good, I didn't want to go anywhere. We're just like the slightest thing, any little thing that could come up, and I back off so quick. <laughs> you know, some of us look for the slightest reason not to do what God has asked us to do. Well, <sighs> not as warm as I wanted it to be to go visit that person anyway. Or, uh, well, I really wanted to watch the Olympics. And uh, well, I really, and then we, we're at the point where we know God has told us to do something. And whatever it is, we'll use that as an excuse to walk out on God. That's a sad situation, friends. And I have to confess, I've been there. And so have you. And as I reflected on my attitude after that experience of listening to my words come out of my mouth, I couldn't believe I said it. Good, I didn't want to go anyway. I said, Lord, I need for you to change my attitude. When it comes to my exercise, because it's so important, would you give me a want to attitude instead of a I have to? Would you give me a want to? Lord, it's not a part of my regular routine. I, I'm not used to getting up early in the morning and talking to you before I do anything else. But would you, Lord, would you give me a want to? I, I'm not used to talking to people who don't look like me or who don't agree with my political ideology or don't have the same background that I have. And Lord, I, I just rather hang around my own kind. But 
But you told me to reach out beyond myself. And Lord, would you give me a want to instead of a have to? Lord, you know I got a full schedule and the pastor said he's doing hymns with Henry over at Emeritus on Wednesdays and and something inside of me said, you know, I, I need to go and be with the pastor Wednesday night and reach out to those seniors. And I thought about it and I think God was talking to me about it, but I dismissed it because ah, what am I going to say when I go over there? I'm just not the type that talks to people anyway, God. That's, and God is saying, but I'm calling you. Their future Their journey of faith could depend on you showing up at the right time in the right place with the right attitude. Are you willing to say, Lord, I trust you. I'll take the next step in that area of my life. Are you willing to do that? I struggle with that. But God has given me a want to attitude <coughs> instead of a have to. Let me close with this passage in Ephesians. It's not in your outline. But it's Ephesians 2. Four. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, raised us up together, made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. What a God. What a verse. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, raised us up together and made us sit in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. In other words, he took us. He loved us. And when we were a nobody, he turned us into a somebody. Hallelujah. And he made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He adopted us, treated us not like stepchildren, but like we were one of his own children, and gave us a seat right by his own son, so that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. Not just a little welfare check of grace, but exceeding grace made available to us 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. His kindness, his grace, and his favor to me and to you in Christ Jesus is enough to make somebody say, Hallelujah! Glory to God. I said it's enough for somebody to say hallelujah. 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 God did that for you. And that's why I'm saying, Lord, change my attitude from a have to to a want to. Would you join me in prayer? Father, your favor your favor. Mm. Lord, you know we need doors to open, opportunities to advance, changes in circumstances in our health. All of this is the attributes of your favor in our life. Lord, we need that. So we're calling on you right now that each one of us would be willing to take the next step of obedience in order for that to happen. Total surrender. Absolute commitment 
to purity and embrace kingdom thinking. Not my will, but your will be done. May it be so, I pray. In Jesus' name. Would you keep your heads bowed for a moment? I don't know where you are this morning. But each of us are on a journey of faith. Each of us face challenges. But each of us could use the favor of God. So if God's speaking to you about a specific area in your life where you want to grow, but it's a challenge for you, I just ask you to just lift your hand because I want to pray for you specifically. Yes. 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 Mm. Father, you see the hands that were raised. And you know we just don't have all the answers, but you do. So I ask that for each one of us on our journey that we would just draw closer to you. You said, draw close to me and I'll draw close to you. We trust you with our lives. Lord, I ask you to move by your spirit. In Jesus' name, I pray. That all God's people say amen and amen. That's a double amen. That's a double Lord, let it be so in my life.